Welcome to the Mindset for Runners podcast, helping you to access and unlock your true potential as an athlete. Hey, it's Rob. Welcome to part three of the mini-series of how to build confidence as a runner. Got a cracker of an episode for you today. We're going to look at two major concepts or models to help you understand what's happening in your mind and in your body when you say something like, I'm just not good at, or I just don't have the confidence, or I could never do that, or that's not for me, or all those kind of sayings that lead us down that slippery slope, that downward spiral of lack of confidence. I'm going to get straight into it with a story. Now, this story comes from an excellent book called How Confidence Works uh, by Ian Robertson. So I'm going to take you back to the 2007 British Open, which is a golf tournament. Now, if you're a golfer, awesome. If you're not like me, awesome as well, but you'll still get something out of this story. Um, so 27, there was a uh, golfer called Padrick or Podrick Harrington from Ireland. He was leading the British Open, which is one of the biggest, uh, pardon me, I don't know much about golf, but it's one of the biggest golf tournaments in the world. And he was out in front with a one-shot lead over Sergio Garcia. They came down to the final hole, the 18th hole, where he had this one-shot lead. Podrick had been feeling so confident all throughout the whole tournament. He said he felt so confident that he could do nothing wrong. He'd hit the ball exactly as he wanted to all day. He felt like he was in the zone. He said, I've never felt better. So he's teeing off at the 18th, the last hole, with a one-shot lead. And he said, as he swung the club back, right at the top of his backswing, he said, I had a tiny tinge of doubt. This is halfway through his swing. He swung, he hit the ball, and it went straight into the water. Now, what that means in golf, if you don't know, when you hit the ball into the water, it costs you a penalty shot to take it out. And then you have to hit again from near where it goes in the water. So he said, I still felt confident. He said, I knew I'd hit it in the water, but I was walking down the fairway to get the ball, but I still felt confident as I was walking there. He pulls his ball out of the water. Actually, I don't even know if those pros even bother pulling their ball out of the water, but he gets on the ball, puts it on the grass, whack, hits it again, and hits it into the water again. Now, I don't know how many millions of dollars you get for winning a British Open, but he's just gone from a clear leader to having hitting the ball into the water twice, two penalty shots. He said then that's when he kind of lost his mindset completely. His self-talk went down, down, down. He said things like, I'm choking. I've lost this game. He said, I felt so embarrassed. I was walking down the fairway in front of 20,000 people and I was completely embarrassed. I had this game in my grips and I've thrown it away. This was his self-talk, obviously his confidence, as he's walking down to um, get his ball out of the water for the second time. Now, he had a caddy called Ronan Flood. Now, Ronan, I'm not sure if he knew much about mindset, but he could obviously see what was happening and know what's happening to Podry. So Ronan started saying, mechanically over and over again one shot at a time you're the best chipper and putter in the world one shot at a time you're the best chipper and putter in the world now again if you don't know much about golf chip is when you do one of those little chips when you're not far from the green and putting is when you get the little thing and tock it in at the end 
One shot at a time. You're the best chipper and putter in the world. One shot at a time. You're the best chipper and putter in the world. This is what his caddy was saying to him. Podrick said it bugged him so much, he felt like getting a club out of the bag and clocking his his um, caddy on the head with it because he just was saying it over and over as they're walking down the fairway. One shot at a time. You're the best chipper and putter in the world. Now, did Ronan flood the caddy know what he was doing? He was taking the attention of Podrick Harrington off, I'm choking, I've lost the game, I'm embarrassed, and and he was taking it back to the process and bringing him back to the moment. Next shot, one shot at a time. Ronan stepped up to the ball, chipped it right near the hole, and then putted it in the hole. So, and he said, Ronan said, by the time he got to that ball, he felt like he could do it again, and his confidence had returned. This has been said in sports psychology, it's called an amygdala hijack. It's when you go from the thinking part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, and we just get completely hijacked by the old part of our brain, the fear center, um, which is called the amygdala, which is the two almond-shaped parts of the brain right at the base of the brain, uh, the oldest part of our brain looking for fear. So the caddy was able to draw him out of that amygdala, put him back into his prefrontal cortex, which is like, what do I need to do now? And and the, and the caddy self-talk became Podrick Harrington's self-talk. He chipped the ball up, putted in the hole. He got to the playoff with Sergio Garcia and he went on to win the British Open when everybody who was there and watching around the world was sure that he had lost it on that hole. So with confidence, we must learn to take, first of all, awareness and then control of where our focus is going. Last year, I got in contact with Emma Murray. She has a business called High Performance Mindfulness. Uh, She worked with the Richmond AFL Club. Forgive me the year, I'm pretty sure it was 2016 where they got the wooden spoon. I'm not exactly sure. Please don't hold me to that. But Emma came in as a mindfulness coach for the Richmond Football Club. And she worked with the players individually and as a team to control their focus and have them more mindful as they were playing. Instead of thinking about um, the opposition or about what other teammates thought of them or the crowd expectations, she got them back into the zone, helping them be mindful of what they were doing right then, their running patterns, where they had to kick the ball, how they were holding the ball how their breathing was. This is the same kind of work George Mumford did with the Chicago Bulls basketball team in the 90s, working with Michael Jordan, with Scottie Pippen, uh, those guys to get them mindful, to get all of their energy on what they were doing instead of letting their focus run wild. So Emma Murray, I'm not going to say single-handedly, but she was instrumental in turning them around from wooden spooners to winning the... um, the competition the following year. I got in touch with Emma Murray and I said, hey, I'm an ultra marathon runner. I'm training for these races and I'm just, you know, seeing if you could give me a, one piece of advice. And she said, no worries, Rob. Here's the one piece of advice. You've only got one focus. Take control of it. And it was just this beautiful message that helped me so much understand that when you're a golfer walking down a fairway, 
if you're thinking about losing the game, if you're thinking about embarrassment and all the people who are going to judge you and write stories about you, how you had it in your hand and you lost it, if you're thinking about the crowd sitting there all, what are they thinking and laughing at you? Are you calling yourself a choker? That's where your focus is. Wayne Dyer said in one of his books where, uh, my apologies, what you focus on expands, right? And I'm sure you can get a feeling of this um, for yourself if you apply it to an area. And let's do it now. Where's an area, it could be in running or could be somewhere else, where you don't feel confident. And I'm wondering if you can go to that specific area time like of where you don't feel confident if it's a running thing or if it's a work thing or it's a family thing or if it's a relationship thing and I wonder where your focus goes when you have that feeling all those words I'm not confident are you focusing on what you're doing wrong or how you might mess up or how you failed in the past or what people will think of you and that is where it starts with the focus but then it expands because your brain starts to find more and more well, they call it evidence or, or supporting um, visions of where you have messed up in the past or where you have been judged or where you might get it wrong. And it keeps on feeding this, feeding this, feeding this focus because it expands, expands, expands. Another saying from NLP is where focus goes, energy flows. And it's the same concept. If you're thinking about failure, you're going to go down that thought bubble and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. When you can do what the caddy did, to Podrick Harrington, bring the focus back to what am I doing now and what's the next step? Or focusing on successes from past and why you are good enough, why you can do hard things and why this is exactly where you're meant to be. One more story. If you've ever seen my my favorite running documentary of all time is a movie called Unbreakable. It was a uh, a documentary by J.B. Benner about the 2010 Western States Endurance Run, which is a 100-mile race um, in Tahoe in California. Now, this is early days, not early days for the race, but early days in the rise of ultra running. And the four best ultra runners came to this race, and it was the first time we'd had four kind of the best in the world all at the one race. So there's four runners were Anton Kropitschka. If you ever remember Anton, he, he was... He inspired so many ultra runners. He had this blog where he would put up his training, like a training diary, a log. And it was like every ultra runner would go and they'd read what Anton was doing. And he was upping his mileage to sometimes he ran 200 miles a week. And this guy was was like one of those early adopters who inspired so many guys. He he was winning every race he'd been in, Anton Kubica. Jeff Rose, who was new, he's from Alaska, and he'd come to uh, Western States to run against the best in the world. He won every 100-miler he'd been in and set records in every race. A young, upcoming um, runner from the Pyrenees you may have heard of called Killian Jornet. He was there as a very young um, runner. And Hal Kerner, uh, who won previously the same race the previous two years. So these four runners went at it. It was an, It's an amazing documentary. But what we see in this race is Jeff Rose... Uh, sorry, Hal Kerner gets injured. I'm not going to spoil it for you. But basically, there's three of them out there and Jeff Rose drops back. Actually, I am going to spoil it for you because that's the, how the story works. Jeff Rose drops back. He's not having a good day. You can hear him say in the documentary things like, I just can't run up hills today. And he's like, he's struggling. You can see it. Kropitschka and Jornet leave him. They go ahead. He's behind. He's 20 minutes behind. 
But what you see is Jeff's mindset. He doesn't lose his head. He just keeps on running his own race. He picks up his pacer. They're running together. And then he gets, you see him in this point in the film and he says, I'm stabilizing. I'm not getting any worse. Now, that's a a key thing to say. It meant he'd accepted that he was having a bad day, but he wasn't building a story around it and starting to go on the downward slope. He just focused on what he had to do and he kept on running his own race and he let Kropitschka and John A go. In an interview after the race, he said, my focus is on me and I just stopped focusing on Tony Kropitschka and Killian John A. So he focused on himself. As he said, he stabilized. Now, toward the end of the race, he picked up Killian John A and passed him and he went on to pass Kropitschka in the final 10 miles, I think, Nohan Bridge, or no, before then, he picked him up and passed him. And Kropitschka was completely shocked because he was sure that Jeff Rose had dropped off. And Jeff Rose went on to win in record time. Now, he could have gone down a mental spiral and DNF that race. He was in that condition, but he didn't. He was patient. He accepted he couldn't power up the hills in the way he would have liked. And he focused on his own race and forgot about what was happening with everyone else and he went on to win. So back to you. Go to that time where you're saying you're not confident or you'd like to build confidence and I just want to ask the question again, where does your focus go? If it's a work thing, you know, are you are you imagining yourself in a situation where you're failing or you're you know, you're being talked down by your peers or you're not living up to expectations, whosoever they are. But but just be aware of it. And maybe sometimes that's just enough to say, no wonder why I don't feel confident. I'm focusing all the things I'm doing wrong or failure or, or um, things I don't want. And I'm imagining that. And then if you're willing to, you can change your focus and start to take small steps into the creating the thing that you want. All right, that's a lot of information in a short time. That's the first thing for this um, episode about building confidence. Where is your focus going and can you shift it onto what you want instead of what you don't want? All right, cup of tea there. Right, second thing today. This has been a game changer for me. This model that I'm about to share with you, I'm so excited to share this with you. It's really helped me to understand how confidence works in your brain. So we're going to go to a couple of terms in psychology. Um, The first one is called outcome expectation, which is basically, well, it's very simple, what you think, what you expect could happen. So we're going to call it, this is again from the book, How Confidence Works by Ian Robinson. Outcome expectation we're going to call can happen. So that thing can happen. I can walk down the street. That's an outcome expectation. I can run a park run. That's an outcome expectation. The second term we're going to learn about is called efficacy expectation. We're going to shorten that, like Ian Robertson does, to can do. So self-efficacy, if you go back a couple of episodes, I talk it, I unpack it a lot. It's, um, it's about what can I do? Now, we talk about it in the concept of 
in the brave athlete, they have that visual of the tree, the me tree. So self-efficacy is how is your ability to do a certain task. Do you know how to cook pasta? Do you know how to put your shoes on? Can you run a 5K? Are you effective at running a 10K? So the self-efficacy is can do. So the, the distinction is can happen and can do. So that thing can happen and I can do it or that thing can't happen and I can't do it, for example. We're going to look at a model that's going to help us understand how we get confidence linked together in our brain. The analogy you're going to say is imagine confidence is a bridge that needs two blocks put together to work. So imagine half the bridge is outcome expectation and the other half is efficacy expectation. So to use the the simpler terms, half the bridge is can happen, the other half is can do. And we're building a bridge from where you are to where you want to go. So let's say you want to run your first marathon. Um, we, We need to combine these two things. It can happen and I can do it. Right? And if we don't get these two things together, you're not going to have the confidence to go ahead with it. So let's look at a couple of examples to, to highlight this. Let's use the simple one. Um, okay, let's use losing weight, right? So he uses this example in the book. And it's, so, so the, the example he uses is, is losing weight. It's it just changing your diet. And the simple thing is from eating junk food to eating salad, right? So let's look at it in this model. If I eat salad... Will it make me lose weight? Now, it depends, right? It depends on your beliefs. So some people would say, um, yeah, eating salad, absolutely. It's scientifically proven if you eat salad, you will lose weight, right? So that is can happen. Do you get it? If I eat salad, I will lose weight, right? But some people say, oh, my uncle, he ate salad all his life. He was always overweight, right? Or they've got all these examples of Salad makes you fat or whatever. Salad was... What? Oh, sorry. Or um, all these people who had healthy lifestyles but still couldn't lose weight. So in their mind, it's a can't happen. I hope you get that distinction, right? So that means that if I eat salad, I won't lose weight. Is a can't happen. Right. So then if... If I've got the can happen, let's say I believe that eating salad makes me lose weight. Let's go to the can. Can I do it? Okay. Yeah, I can. For sure. I can stop eating junk food and make salad. All it is is just having my meals planned, having the fridge. When I go to the fridge, instead of eating the junk food, I reach for the salad. Simple. If I go to, you know, um, out, I just order the salad. And that's really easy. I could do that. So that's a can do. So I've, now I can do that task. If I move to the, well, I can't do that. It would be somebody who says, you know what? I just don't think salad's going to fill me up. I just don't think that's going to, you know, I can do it. I've tried in the past and I've failed. Um, You know, I I stick to it for a couple of days and then I just get these cravings and I just want to have a dagwood dog. And, And so for that person, they might believe that if they eat salad, it'll help them lose weight but they don't believe that they can do it. So it's a can't do for them. So I hope that's a bit of an example. I'm going to go to another example, and I'm going to put these together in the um, context of 
you getting, sorry, <laughs> I won't put anything, any suggestions, of getting a runner going and getting a running injury and going to the physio. Let's, let's look at these four ways we can put these together. The first is can't do, can't happen, right? So you go, you get injured, you go to the physio and the physio says, ah, this is what's happened to you. You just got to do these strength exercises three times a week and you'll be all good, right? So you go out, you've got your little bit of paper with your exercises on from the physio, it says three times a week, do this, 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 you've got four exercises, no worries. You walk out the door and your self-talk is, oh, you know what? i got mates who have had this condition and even if I do all these exercises, it won't actually fix my condition because I know so many runners who get this condition and they've got it for years. Sometimes it's the end of their running career Sometimes I just never get over it. So even if I do all these things, it's not going to cure my or fix my injury, right? So that's a can't happen. And then, you know what? I can't even, I can't do these exercises. I mean, I need to have weights. I don't have weights. I'd have to go to the gym. That means I'd have to, you know, leave even earlier to go to then work, to go to the gym. And in the past, I've never stuck to a, a physio's program, strength program before. So I can't even do it. So you're walking out the door and you've got this can't do. I can't do it. It's too much work. I won't stick to it. Haven't got the weights at home. Uh, too, too, too hard for me. I can't do it. And anyway, even if I could do it, it's not going to fix my injury because all these reasons that I, that I don't believe is going to work. So in this case, it's a can't do, can't happen. The bridge hasn't even started to get built from the island where you are to where you want to go. Let's look at the next one. Can't do, can happen, right? So you're walking out of physio, a bit of paper in your hand, all the exercises, three times a week, these four exercises, and you say, again, I can't do this. Um, I never stick to it. Um, these, I forget, I forget how I'm supposed to hold my leg already, so I probably do the exercise wrong, and then I might get injured. Um, I can't even remember... Did he say to do three by six or six by three of these? And uh, you know what? I, I don't, I'm not going to stick to this program. So in your mind, you can't do. But you do believe that if you would do the exercises, it would work. But you don't think you can do it. So now we're at can't do, can happen. So we've got half of the bridge built, which is if I did it, it would work. But the first half is not there because I just won't stick to it and I haven't got the equipment. I hope you're staying with me. This can be a bit heavy, but I really want to make sure you get this because I'm hoping as I'm talking, you're applying it to what's going on for you when you say, I haven't got confidence in this area and it's helping in some way. Right. So, so far we've covered can do, sorry, can't do, can't happen, can't do, can happen. Now we're going to go to um, can do, can't happen, right? So can do is back to, oh yeah, I could do all those exercises, no sweat. I've got all the equipment I need. I remember how to do it. Um, I know how to do all those things. Easy. I can get those done three times a week, four exercises, easy. But I don't believe it's going to happen because I've got all these friends that got the same injury. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll attest that no matter how much strength work I do, it's not going to fix the problem. So I'm just stuck with this. It just has to run its course and heal itself. So... Um, it's just not gonna. It's not gonna happen. So you've got the can do, which is half the bridge is built. I could do those exercises, but the belief that those exercises are gonna cure my injury is not there. So the other half of the bridge is not built, 
and you're not going to get to where you want to go. And of course, the last one, can do, can happen. Yep, I can do those exercises. And I've double checked, I've Googled, will these exercises cure my condition? And the physio was bang on. These are the exact exercises I need to do. So I know that if I do them three times a week as prescribed, my injury will heal. I'll be back running. I can do them and it's going to work. Beautiful. That's the can do, can happen. The Both sides of the bridge is built and you can get over by doing the work and building the belief. So that's the four ways these two things come together in like a quadrant. And I hope this helps you understand how confidence works in your mind because it certainly helped me understand um, what my behavior in the past and how to correct it in the future. And I'm hoping... Let's go to that example you had in your brain before about where you're not feeling confident, where you'd like to build confidence, where you'd like to build confidence as a runner or at work or relationships or, or whatever it is for you, right? And go to that, that problem that you've got. And I want you to ask yourself, how do I move to a can-do, can-happen mindset where, where I believe that I can do what's required to fulfill the task, and I believe that that task, if done properly, will lead to the outcome I want, right? So if if you're stepping up at work into a leadership role and and you're feeling, you know, that fear and maybe I'm not ready, haven't got the confidence yet, if you know that it's just about um, building your belief that if you work on your leadership skills, it will happen and that you can build your leadership skills and you have got leadership ability. And by the way, I believe the people (laughs) that think that they're not going to be the best leaders end up being the best leaders because it's grounded in their humility and their openness and they're willing to learn to be better. So let's build those two things for you. If it's running, if if it's a distance or a speed goal, and you can work out what you need to do and believe that that'll lead to your goal. So if you need to do more speed sessions, faster speed sessions, or longer long runs, or, or longer races, and then you're, you believe that you can do the work and do the exercise and do the program that your coach gives you. So you can build those two ends of the bridge to meet in the middle and give you confidence. I really hope... Um, I've explained this as well as I'd like to so that you get something out of it because this can be the light bulb moment of why in the past you've believed you can do something but it hasn't given you the confidence or you believed if you know you believe the process would work but you didn't believe you could do it and how you can now wrap your mind around those two concepts put them together into the um, context that you're working your confidence in to help you build it even better. Thanks for listening. It's been um, another great learning for me putting this stuff together for you. And um, I'm just really privileged to share this stuff with you. And I deeply hope that somewhere in your life, um, these things that I'm sharing with you are actually landing in some way. Even if you listen to all the episodes and you get one thing out of them, um, I really hope that it helps you Um, improve your running enjoyment of running or um, in life all right thanks i'll see you in part four of how to build confidence 
Thanks for listening to the Mindset for Runners podcast. I hope you got something practical and useful out of this podcast or something inspiring to help you get out for your next run. If you have a question about Mindset for Runners or athletes in general, please email me at robmason.run at gmail.com and I'll answer your question on an upcoming podcast. If there's anybody you know who could benefit from the information I share in this podcast, please share it with them. See you next time.